Welcome to RBC's Markets in Motion podcast, recorded June 14th, 2022. I'm Lori Calvacina, Head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclaimers. This week in the podcast, some quick thoughts on U.S. equities and the aftermath of Friday's hot CPI print and subsequent sell-off. Three big things you need to know. First, the recent rise in long-run inflation expectations in the Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey suggests that value-oriented sectors may continue to lead a bit longer. Second, our look back at the historical playbook for U.S. equities around recessions provides insight into how low the S&P could go. And third, our weekly sentiment indicators continue to highlight the deeply negative views that already pervade the investment community. If you'd like to hear more, here's another five minutes. While you're waiting, a quick reminder that if you found this podcast helpful, we appreciate your support in this year's Institutional America All-America Research Survey in the Portfolio Strategy category. Now the details. Starting with takeaway number one, the rise in long-run inflation expectations in the Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey on Friday suggests value-oriented sectors may continue to lead a bit longer. One thing that really alarmed our economics team on Friday, even more so than the CPI print itself, was the move up in five-year inflation expectations in the Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey to 3.3%, taking that stat well outside the range it's been in for quite some time. Our economics team worries that this unanchoring of inflation expectations will lead to the Fed hiking even more aggressively than many market participants had previously believed. With this in mind, we dusted off our charts examining how different sectors within the S&P and Russell 2000 tend to trade in relation to trends in five-year inflation expectations. On the large cap side, the S&P 500, energy, materials, financials, and REITs display the most positive correlations with long-run inflation expectations, meaning they tend to outperform within the S&P 500 when inflation expectations are moving up. On the flip side, healthcare, consumer discretionary, and communication services have some of the most negative correlations to trends in inflation expectations in the S&P 500, meaning they tend to underperform when inflation expectations are on the rise. On the small cap side, energy tends to be the big beneficiary of rising inflation expectations, along with communication services and financials. Meanwhile, healthcare and technology are the sectors that are most likely to underperform within small cap when inflation expectations are moving up. Moving on to takeaway number two, we took a look back at the historical playbook for U.S. equities around recessions and walked through potential downside levels in the index if a recession is indeed coming or starting now. We've been highlighting how if the year-to-date 3,900 low in the S&P from May 19th, which actually managed to hold on Friday at the close, got broken, and if the index were to break below 3,850, the outer bound of growth scare territory, such as the drawdowns we saw in 2011 and late 2018, there would be significant downside potential risk to the S&P. Unfortunately, Friday's developments and talks of 75 basis point hikes around the street was the straw that broke the camel's back, and the index broke below those levels in Monday's trading and closed down 22% from the early January high. The main downside level we've been highlighting is 3,200, which would represent a 32% drawdown in the index from the early January 2022 high. That's in line with the average recession drawdown in the S&P 500 peak to trough since the 1930s, and pretty similar to the pandemic drawdown of 34%. We've also been starting to point out, however, that there is precedence for U.S. equities to stabilize a bit above that level. 
The recession drawdowns of the early 1980s totaled 17% and 27%, and the recession drawdown of 1990 was 19.9%. So the drawdown we've seen so far in 2022 has actually been worse than one of the 1980 drawdowns and in the same neighborhood as the 1990 drawdown. A 27% drawdown would take the S&P 500 to just below 3,500, and we think that's another important level to watch. All of those numbers speak to potential peak to trough moves. When thinking about the damage that could be done to 2022 on an annual basis to the stock market, the thing we want you to remember is that the S&P 500 tends to fall 7.5% on average in years that precede negative real GDP years. So if a recession is coming in 2023, a good starting point for thinking about the year-end level of the S&P 500 in 2022 would be around 4,400 based on this history, so baking in some recovery from some of those levels that we mentioned before. We've also been talking about recent sector performance in the context of the historical recession playbook. The declines that have been seen in consumer discretionary and communication services within the S&P 500 have been getting close to the average decline they've seen over the past four recessions, suggesting those sectors may be getting closer than others to pricing and recession risks. Most other sectors haven't come close to their typical recession drawdowns. The gap has been widest in energy, which is actually up year to date. And we question how resilient that sector can continue to be if a recession is really on the way. Let's wrap up with point number three. Our weekly sentiment indicators continue to highlight the deeply negative views that already pervade the investment community. We've talked a lot in the past about how retail investor sentiment has been worse than pandemic lows in the weekly AAII poll for quite some time. While institutional investor sentiment has fallen sharply in the weekly asset manager positioning data for U.S. equity futures as tracked by CFTC. In the latest updates that we have on both data sets, which reflect trends in place prior to the CPI sell-off, the latest AAII and CFTC data were showing some initial signs of recovery off of levels that have been close to or worse than past troughs. It remains to be seen whether that healing process can resume. I think we won't really get a sense of that until next week's updates, which will reflect the reaction to this week's post-FOMC meeting. We continue to find it interesting that positioning for the Russell 2000 futures has been below financial crisis lows. That's a part of the market that's often treated as a pure play on the U.S. economy, and the CFTC data suggests that capitulation on that part of the market has already been seen pretty clearly. We also continue to keep an eye on the VIX, which hasn't yet hit levels that have tended to mark their own peak in the post-financial crisis environment. This is one sentiment indicator where we may still need to see more evidence of capitulation. The same thing can be said of the equity put-call ratio, which, like the VIX, has moved up, but really hasn't moved back to the peaks that we've seen in the post-financial crisis period. And this may be another source of pent-up pain that we need to keep an eye on. We'd also like to see Bitcoin stabilize, as it's become another helpful indicator of sentiment and risk assets generally. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. And be sure to check out our sister podcast, RBC's Industries in Motion, for thoughts on specific sectors from RBC's team of industry analysts. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.